Welcome to season three of the Lifestyle Chase, and I'm your host, Chris Little. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. To help this podcast grow, please share it on social media, rate five stars, tell your friends, and check out the past 140 episodes and counting. You can follow me on Instagram at Christian Little and at The Lifestyle Chase. Thanks for listening. Let's get started. If you are a fan of hitting your protein target and you eat meat, this is great. To give you a bit of backstory on True Local, they appeared on The Dragon's Den about two years ago. No matter where you are based, that meat is sourced from your local area. Have a look at their website and see if they service you. If you use True Lifestyle Chase with your purchase, you can get three pounds of grass-fed and finished ground beef in your first two orders of a regular box or one pound of grass-fed and finished ground beef in your first two orders of a small box. Alternatively, if you like bacon, if you order from True Local and use the code APLITTLEBACON, you can get one pound of delicious bacon in all regular box orders as well as four boneless, skinless chicken breasts in the first three regular box orders. If you are more of a small box person, you can still get a pound of bacon on your first three orders. And that's the codes True Lifestyle Chase or AP Little Bacon. Your options are ground beef or bacon and chicken. Make your choice. I hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening to or watching The Lifestyle Chase. So welcome to episode 161 of The Lifestyle Chase. I am joined by Dr. Michelle Boland. How are you doing today? I'm fantastic, Chris. Thanks for uh, letting me on. And wow, that's, that's a serious amount of episodes you got going on. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of funny because like I was telling you how I'm friends with Dean and I uh, started listening to his podcast when he was doing um, back when it was the fitness devil. And I listened from episode one and like I'm catching up to him like slowly but surely I will out podcast him. <laughs> that is amazing. So um, with your day to day, like just to give my audience a bit of a flow to your day to day, like what yeah. what did you have going on like what time did you start like what's your life like these days <laughs> great question um so what's my life like these days so i have like kind of my hands in a few different things so i'm pretty careful on how i structure my weeks i kind of just take one week at a time right now what i do is monday i really reserve for like big long-term project day. So I spend, you know, a few hours that day prioritizing, hey, what do I want to accomplish a year from now, two years from now? Let's work towards that. Tuesday and Thursday are my big in-person training days. So I see a lot of people at the gym. And right now, you know, I I work for myself um, and I rent space from a local CrossFit facility, which is absolutely amazing like a straight away so i'm very thankful for that and so i basically had clients all morning this morning and then i'll go back tonight and have clients at night and usually i'm pretty good with like getting things done but today specifically i had to wake up at like 5 15 to finish a program that i kept putting off that was like due um 
and to like uh, prep for a call that I had today. So unfortunately, it was a little earlier than I like to get up, but uh, that happened today. And then Wednesdays and Fridays right now, because of COVID, is where I really try to reserve a lot of my virtual sessions and my remote coaching program writing. So those are, those are my two days focus on that. And then Friday, I have those two things. And then I also, that's where I do like my short-term tasks. So, you know, respond to emails and, you know, I have like a to-do list of like quick things that I need to do, like email this person that, post this kind of thing. That's how I kind of schedule my weeks now. Well, I mean, it, it's very relatable. It, it's important to have some structure. Um with everything that happened in the last like 12 months, I know everybody has like a different story to it. It's a reoccurring thing, but with that, there's a lot of things that people can take from it. Like sometimes it's Mm -hmm. like a cool lesson. Um, What kind of pivots did you have to make in 2020? That's such a great question. And honestly, I think it's just so important. I think it exposed a lot of people's sources of income. And for me, I kind of, I majority of my income was from in-person sessions, but I did have, you know, a little hand in, you know, online stuff, remote coaching, but really during 2012 is where I created like a huge push to really um, improve and um, increase my remote training services and my, my online business. So that's where I tried to make that pivot. And then also, I learned a lot of lessons in terms of kind of what I just talked about of like grouping days together and being a little bit more organized. Because really, my goal with working for myself is to be able to create a career around the lifestyle that I want. And so, you know, soon I'm going to have to uh, move a little bit further from the gym. So if I can reduce my um, travel to home from the gym as much as possible. That's what I wanted to do. AKA I don't want to be driving into the gym six days a week. I want to probably do it maybe three days a week. Um, So really pushing services that I can do from home and then also grouping together like my in-person sessions. So that's, that's kind of how I've tried to view this year as a huge positive. Definitely. I mean, like, uh, I've had some conversations with people and like they talk about how the the greatest growth comes from like extreme discomfort, like just like feeling like you're not ready for that next step or kind of feeling like you don't have the resources that you might need. Um, I often I I make allusions to like the time machine and tell people to go back in the time machine. So I'm going to do that to you. (laughs) Um, If we took the time machine into like the period of time that was like the first two years of your career in the fitness industry, what what was your life like then? Like what can you recount? What stands out to you about that period of time? Oh, man. Um, Being super overwhelmed. (laughs) <laughs> so I would say, you know, I, I trained people when I was in grad school, but my first full-time job, I didn't really have too much responsibility when I was, you know, in grad school in terms of training people. But when I got thrown into a division one collegiate program kind of environment with, you know, I was working at that time with a top five nationally ranked hockey team. There's a lot of expectations involved in that. And I think I wasn't confident in my skills in terms of 
this is what I'm going to do with them. This is why it was kind of like I was looking around and luckily I had great people around me for this to be like, okay, you know, what do I do? Like, how do I actually take all the things that I've learned and build something that's going to be helpful towards them? You know, it's kind of like that paralysis by analysis thing of like, you know, I have all this stuff, but no one's kind of really helped me um, put it together and apply it within specific contexts, right? So, you know, I had, and a lot of it too was um, being in front of a group. That was the scariest part as well, because, you know, I went from maybe one-on-one sessions, maybe presenting in a class, which is a little bit different because you have kind of a lot of prep time. And then maybe like small group where there's a group of three or four people you were training to, you know, 25 people who are very confident in their abilities and looking to you for confidence as well. So, you know, being in front of a group of athletes, you know, is always very nerve wracking. But over time, those two things, you know, Im- improve and, you know, your, your confidence um, and competency goes up immensely. So with that being said, if you had someone like if you had the equivalent of you just at that period of time, like your younger self, mm-hmm. and they were sitting in across from you and they were saying that they didn't feel confident or that uh, they felt nervous, like what kind of advice would you give them? What kind of a pep talk would you give them to kind of light a fire under their ass? (laughs) Yeah. You you literally said like the line before it's like you only ever learn in like uncertainty and like uncomfortable situations. Right. So it's like, it's kind of like embrace those emotions a little bit better and know that they're natural and it's okay. And you're never going to be uncomfortable in anything, excuse me, comfortable in anything you do. And if you are, you're not pushing yourself very much. So it's like, look at it as like a learning opportunity. And like, if you get your butt kicked a little bit, like it's, it's okay. And the way I look at things now is, you know, I never want to promote, you know, totally being okay with failure in terms of like entering into an experience that way. It's almost like I really want to focus on the response from that experience. So, you know, younger self going in, you know, I don't want to have the attitude of me failing is okay. But if something does happen where I probably could have done something a little bit better, I should have the skills to say, hey, what did I learn from this? It's okay that I failed. And now, okay, it's over. Those emotions go towards, okay, how do I improve from this? Well, I mean, it's good timing for that because like I was telling you about how I have the green screen set up behind me and like how the the post-production would look a little different. And it's like as a podcast host, that was me taking a lesson. That was me realizing, well, like if I'm passionate about anything that I do, like should I put everything that I have into it or should I just like wonder why I'm not standing out or wonder why it's not working? And so it was just like uh, I was seeing lessons in my own failures and so i like that you brought that up um when when you were kind of starting off when in those first couple of years who were the kind of people that you looked up to like who did you look to for uh leadership or um inspiration oh no that's a great question I, you know i don't know how these kind of things like kind of fell on my my lap a little bit but um <laughs> there's there's two kind of people who really affected me And a lot of this was I was at grad school at Springfield College, which is in like Western Massachusetts. 
And, and I, you know, I kind of like wasn't really conscious about this at the time. But after the fact, looking back, I realized, whoa, like the president of the college was female. The dean of the program was female. The chair of the program was female. And my um, graduate student, you know, advisor who I was working for was also female. And so I had these very strong leadership position females surrounded by me. And it's funny because the chair of the program, the dean, at every point in my graduate experience, I worked for one of those individuals. So I kind of got to know them. They taught me a lot of things. And then I also was the personal trainer when I was in grad school to the president of the university. So I got to know her on a very deep level. Um, and that probably had the biggest impact on me. And probably not at the moment because, I, you know, you don't realize those things. But, you know, where I am now for sure. And it, that just blows me away because that is extremely rare. The other aspect, yeah, Go ahead. the other aspect of that, sorry, is um, I don't know how this happened, but I was in grad school when Dr. Pat Davison, who we're kind of both familiar with, um, was a professor at that school. And he'll tell you the story of, you know, he, he probably didn't think, you know, anything of me during that time or didn't really think I'd probably be you know, where I am today in terms of really having a passion for the fitness industry and, and public speaking and things like that. But his approach to teaching really lit a fire of like, wow, this is what strength and conditioning is all about. Because when I was in the master's degree program, I actually like questioned my career choice in strength and conditioning. I really actually fell out of love with it and didn't really want to pursue it. And then I met him and he kind of gave me a different perspective of, oh, this isn't all that strength and conditioning is and taught me so much um, that that really probably embedded me choosing strength and conditioning and pursuing that career over being a college professor. So those two things are just crazy. He'll tell you all, he'll tell you the story of like, uh, probably my biggest like learning moment was I was defending my master's thesis and you know, I did fine. I passed. And then we all know Pat Davison where like, you know, people don't realize how nice and sweet he is. You know, he, he can be like, you know, purposely ag aggressive in some aspects, but you know, he approached me after and he's like, Hey, can you stick around a little bit? And he's like, you know, I know you're going into like the doctorate program. You know, I really just would expect a little bit more from you. I was like, he's like, you did fine. You did the standard, but he was like, you're going to really need to push yourself if you think you're going to move on. And to me, I was like, wow, like he's totally right. And then I put way more efforts and passion into you know, my graduate years after that, that kind of was a huge kick in the butt for me. So I'm pretty thankful for that. Well, that's really cool. And we're definitely going to circle back to that because I'm a big Dr. Pat Davidson fan. Um, <laughs> with that being said, like when, when you're meeting people in your career in life, like what are the, what are the core values that you find you resonate with when, when you're kind of coming across people? What are the things that stand out that kind of like 
are almost always there when when you're picking your role models or your colleagues or mm-hmm. just people that you uh, give your time to? Wow, that's a, that's a great question. Probably being an overall good person, someone who really exudes positive energy and, um, you know, doesn't make you feel bad for the things that you don't know, right? And the people who can talk on the level of understanding of their listeners, because I think there's a lot of people out there who just basically like to spew out everything that they know and they don't care whatsoever if you understand it. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, here's all the stuff I know. And like, if you don't get it, like whatever. So people who can really take these complex things, make them simple and talk really on the understanding of their listener as a, as a way to communicate and create common language between people. I think those are the two most important things that you can have in, a, in an educator or a mentor. Well, I mean, that's a really good point. I mean, that's something that I've really valued because it's uh, so nice as a, a fitness professional that just wants to learn to have people that want mm. want me to learn, like for, for me yeah. to, to find the right people um, that uh, are willing to, like they can be extremely educated, really smart, really experienced, but they're willing to elevate others in their midst. And all it takes is that uh, willingness or desire to improve at whatever pace it may be. Um, mm-hmm. You talked about how uh, Pat Davidson can be a little bit abrasive But I've definitely like, I've noticed he makes those posts, it gets a whole bunch of attention. And like half the people that comment on it truly understand what he's saying. Like, some people are getting like valuable career lessons. And other people are just thinking that he's out to hurt people's feelings. But he's truly not like that's, that's something that I see. Um, With that being said, like, what what are some of the lessons aside from what we've already discussed that he's kind of imparted on you that were like, holy cow, like I didn't see that until I really thought about it. Oh yeah. There's so many things in that. So yeah, going back to, he's very intentional with his words and that's a huge lesson because, you know, a lot of the problem between trainers or, peers is just the miscommunication or maybe not defining the words that you are talking about. And you'll find a lot of commonalities between other people than you will differences. And what he does a really good job at is how intentional he is with the words that he chooses. And it's hard on social media because there's not a lot of context involved. So I think people don't really understand that as well. Um, Some of the biggest lessons with him is probably changing the lens towards tradition. Um, And and when I say that, I mean, you know, strength and conditioning really has its foundation and deep claws in what created it. We're kind of like jumble mix of sports that involved lifting weights in terms of, you know, bodybuilding came about. Um, powerlifting came about and Olympic weightlifting and strength and conditioning is like, Oh, these tactics are really good for getting stronger and building muscle and speed development and power development. Let's just throw them all together. And that's kind of how we'll train. Well, it's like, 
uh, Pat and several other people have kind of allowed me to be like, okay, don't jump on the bandwagon and just ride the train without just, you know, looking out the window and seeing like where you're going kind of a thing. Oh, that was an analogy right on the spot right there. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, okay, take a step back from the people that you're working with of like Susie, who I, you know, 50 year old mother, like, what are the actual benefits of training like a power lifter or training like an Olympic um, weightlifter? You know, if I have a soccer player, Rachel, who's going into her freshman year, why am I doing power lifting based activities or lifts um, in Olympic weightlifting? What do I want to get them better at? What is the outcome that I want? Maybe Rachel, soccer player, you know, wants to get better at changing direction. Maybe Susie, the mom, wants to get, like, back hurts every time she stands up. Or, you know, she doesn't do well when she has to sit down or something like that. I want to take pain out of the equation in some aspects. Um, And it's saying, okay, well, now exercise selection comes from, you know, how do we – get excuse me how do we get better at these abilities within the skills that they want to get better at and not just doing things to lift more weight right and taking immense amount of time to learn skills such as olympic weightlifting without an actual specific outcome that you're trying to get so it's kind of like taking a step back and really working backwards from something instead of just kind of jumping on the bandwagon of, oh, I need to do this. I need to back squat this individual. I need to like hang clean these athletes kind of a thing. That's an important point. Like, I'm glad you outlined that. Like it's, it's often implied. I think a lot of people talk about it, but very few people really just like bring it down to like context matters. Just like what that person needs in their actual life makes a big difference. Um, so I want to kind of bring the focus back to you. Uh, we've, we've showcased some of your mentors, but you are, and I will tell you this with absolute confidence, a role model for both males and females in the industry. I like to pump people's tires on this podcast, (laughs) (laughs) but to be quite honest, it's just like, if, if somebody follows you, they will see all kinds of different people trying out some of the things that you put into the fitness space and integrating them into how they're helping people. Um, One of the first topics that I kind of want to talk about is your exercise library that you had released. I think it was in the last year or so. I just remember seeing it pop up quite often. Um, I just kind of want to hear the story about that. Like, when did that first start? When did you start first putting the work into it? Like, what was it like? Oh, man. Yeah. So... I can't remember the specific origins of it, but when I get like my mindset on something, it's like nothing else matters. And I was working at a D1 program in Boston and I just kind of realized that someone was talking about a specific exercise, but didn't have the visual representation for it. Or I was writing programs for people um, on the side and I would write, you know, like, staggered stands med ball slam and then like the person would come back at me and be like what are you talking about like I have no idea what this exercise is and then I would try to look and find one on YouTube and like nothing right so it's like okay this is 
I found like a gap in kind of a tool that would be very useful for a lot of trainers. And so what I just, I just went nuts and I videotaped like every exercise that I could possibly think of every single variation, organized it, uploaded all the videos onto YouTube and unlisted them. So you can't really search for them. And then you know, I just created this huge document that had like a video for any and every exercise that you want. And it still continues to grow today because, you know, I released one past summer and, you know, I, I still do it. Every exercise variation that I think of, I just tape a quick video of it. Boom, I have like kind of a good system now. And I think I have like 200 more videos already, which I'll like, you know, pump out soon. But I've heard a lot of a great feedback from it, especially in 2020, where like you need to communicate an exercise. And then I have a lot of coaching videos as well of like actually taking people through an exercise technique. But, you know, remotely, it's very difficult, especially if you're behind a computer screen and I don't have the room to be able to show someone like a deadlift of, hey, watch this YouTube video and send like them a link and insert links and programs. And it's just, it's crazy on how much it kind of grew and expanded over time. Well, it's definitely cool to talk about because I mean, I have to say it definitely inspired me to take some initiative in my own online training. I was like, well, if I just film every exercise that I do, after about a month, I'll probably have quite a few. And that's kind of the outcome. And it was just to see like, a lot of male trainers that I look up to, were sharing it as a resource. And it was just like, it was a game changer for people who didn't have the time or the energy during a very stressful time to be able to uh, have access to something that was communicated very clearly, like just, um, just like for people who have a similar mindset to training as you do. Um, Mm -hmm. it would be quite easy for them to communicate how you were demonstrating the exercise to their clients, which is extremely valuable. Like it's goes way further than any of the YouTube videos that we'll find because like what I've learned in, in my career so far is just like, uh, subtle movements, little simple cues make a huge difference or just a different way of explaining something can be that light bulb moment that is like the game changer to retaining a client or, having that result um to kind of like close off my tangent a little bit here uh in your career has there ever been a time where you were just like ready to throw your arms up in the air and quit like have you ever felt like you were just ready to give up um I'll think about that. I want to go to like a a point of like the database of like you know a cue that just like is a huge point for someone because that is just a phenomenal comment too. And I think the database as well, like it allows you that ability because, you know, I'll have a video of like a staggered stance RDL, but if I was so detailed in the video and said like, Oh, find the outside of your foot and shift this way. That way, that's not going to apply to all the clients that you work with. Right. So like, you have this like general video that now you can apply your unique like personalized cues to. Like, hey, see this video? This is what it's gonna look like. But now I want you to find like the inside of your foot and your back heel, right? And feel heavy on those two things. So that that's a great that was a great point too. Um, anytime I just wanted to throw my hands up. Um, 
You know, I think that, <laughs> you know, in the collegiate setting, I've, my transition from the collegiate setting to like the private setting was a huge like eye opener for me and something that I had to change a lot of my coaching uh, when I transitioned. So there's unique things. So in the collegiate setting, um, I think it's a lot of coaches, sport coaches that just don't understand your value or don't really care about your value. So, and they also have perceived expectations about like what you're going to be doing. So why aren't you hang cleaning? Like that's how you develop power. I don't understand. Like why aren't we heavy back squatting? We want to get these people stronger. Um, and literally getting you basically in trouble or creating, you know, scenes of like, we're forcing you to have to do those things. So that that's difficult to be able to kind of say, hey, I'm the expert in here. I'll communicate the value of like what I'm doing, but also making sure that you're in an environment that has autonomy, right? Of like, I, I don't believe those things are going to create value or better outcomes for your athletes. Um, so obviously that has its challenges, but overall, like the collegiate environment was super fun because there's nothing better than being in a weight room with like 18 to 22 year olds who just like want to get after it and enjoy it. And it's just, it's just a fun environment. Um, in the private setting, you know, a lot of stuff that makes you want to throw your hands up in the air. Of course, like dealing with like owners and bosses, someone who oversees you that may not have the same vision as you do or um, wants services a different way than, than you do. Um, or, you know, in the private sector, you have to do a lot of either the company works to bring you clients or you have to go out and get clients and marketing yourself and getting clients to come in and perceive your value appropriately. That's something that's extremely challenging. That's just like, sometimes you do have those days of like, Oh man, you know, I don't, I don't know if I can do this or, you know, I have a different view of from the person I'm working with. And, and that's kind of like why really working, there's nothing really better than working for yourself, right? Because you kind of remove all those types of headaches. But yeah, that, those are kind of some like struggles in, in each, each time, each context. Well, it's important that you kind of outline some of that. And I really like the part where you talk about like expressing your value. Um, mm -hmm. I know that that's tough for just about anybody. Like, trainers like i've i've had conversations with trainers like at the gym where seeing each other in passing with all this covid stuff you're not able to visit too too much but uh it's just mm -hmm. i uh have really realized just how hard people are on themselves like uh when it doesn't matter where a person is at in their career they could be three years in they could be 10 years in, they could be 15 years in and they've got some some demons and they got uh they're often going to second guess their product or somebody mm -hmm. could question them and, and they could be convinced and question themselves um what has your experience been with that like uh do you ever have really strong moments of self-doubt? Um, what are what are the things that you have to do to be able to like express your value consistently through the ebbs and flows of life? No, that that that's very well said. Um, I would say, you know, being very convicted in 
what you think your value is because yes, you, I can be here on a, like a point of privilege and I would never tell you to turn down business based on like a, a money issue. But you know, if people give me kind of like a hard time of what I charge, it's kind of just like, well, this is what I charge and that's kind of it. And like, I'll explain to you what I do and kind of maybe why I'm, I'm different from people who charge a little bit less and, you know, you can choose to work with me and, you know, I'll try to help you and support you the best I can. And this is kind of how things are. Um, never get overly emotional about things, you know, don't take things personally. Um, oftentimes it's, it's, it's not you that the, the person may be, you know, questioning things from, maybe it's like past experiences or their expectations. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of like my two cents about, you know, making sure that you understand your value and kind of are very prideful in, in what you do and, and don't allow other people to kind of change that. Well, I think it's important that you showcased it in that way. Like something that happened, I think for probably a lot of people is just like when you have to tolerate a certain degree of like, uh, just basically with what happened in um 2020 like so many people had to shift from like not having access to their gyms maybe not having access to like the the social relationships that they had being able to see their friends and then like the tolerance for just like things that take too much energy was like dialed in like we no longer tolerated um worrying about things that didn't matter like certainly getting mm -hmm. busy with clients that matters but worrying about if someone has a confusing excuse for not working with someone doesn't matter like it's kind of like you kind of alluded to like the this is my service this is my rate take it or leave it if you want to walk away walk away this is what i do and yeah. that that's something that i was thinking about the other day i was just like like obviously i could be more busy everybody could be more busy relatively speaking but I mean, like if, if someone, anyone truly has that confidence in themselves to be like, this is what it is. And like, I'm not perfect. I'm always open to learning, but I, I am consistently learning and I'm consistently communicating. I will find a way to get you from point A to point B, but it comes at a rate and I'm not going to negotiate on it. And if you don't want to pay it, see you later. Like, I think this was definitely a year where people who didn't feel that as strongly probably feel it a bit more strongly. And hopefully if someone's not feeling it, they, they have a reason to now. Because mm -hmm. if somebody truly wants to be in this industry, it, 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 they have to have that. Like if they don't have that, it's going to be really, really tough. Um, you were saying something, so I'll let you uh, take over. No, I mean, that's just perfect. Like people are outsourcing to you for a specific reason. Right. And I think they'll respect you being kind of like stern with thing. And oftentimes I've, I've noticed that those people will always come, come back, you know, and they'll, they'll choose you. And, you know, I don't blame people for re reducing rates and prices this past year. I think a lot of people were, you know, in, in tough spots, but, you know, at the end of the day, people are, paying you for your expertise and time. So there should be no price difference between like your in-person time and then your like Zoom and programming writing time. So don't like reduce your value because of, you know, the changes in, in circumstances. 
And yeah. I think the other thing too, I'm pretty conscious of, which I think is, you know, every field has their kind of vices a little bit. And I think um, money for volume is kind of a big problem in our industry of like, I have to train more people, more hours to make more money. Does that make sense? So like typically trainers, you know, people always like try to make it like, oh, you're tough, like you're hard, like you got to put in your your time and your work and work, you know, 6 a.m. to 8 p.m you know, every single day, day in, day out, you have to work on the weekends. And yeah, and of course, like some, in, you know, like some cases that, that that is true. And honestly, that's probably a huge educational experience because you're going to be exposed to so many people, but it's actually really hard probably to learn from those experiences if like you're just dead and like pounding like your eighth coffee of the day. You're probably not taking a lot of information in. So I think also taking a step back and we have the privilege of doing it this day and age with all the technology available to us and kind of this, like this entrepreneurship aspect of careers we have these days of thinking about like how you want your career to fit your lifestyle and not your lifestyle to fix your, uh, fit your career and yeah. being kind of in that realm. Well, that's important. And I mean, something that I thought about as you were kind of like, explaining your point was just the value in like if we are surrounded by people who can see these qualities that we have that might make our lifestyle better like i mean um almost every episode for the past like three months i've given kyle dobbs at compound performance a shout out so i gotta keep with the trend nice (laughs) something about like the mentorship that i did taught me to see like I'm already doing stuff that's valuable that I wasn't like putting value on. And so rather than kind of like you said, increasing volume, like increasing the amount of hours working with, with clients, just like seeing the bigger picture, similar to exercise selection, like understanding like there are other services or other like ways in which we can do what we set out to do that also allow us to live our lives. Like I've seen people putting out, uh, like evergreen like programs to help with their push-ups or Mm -hmm. there's people who offer help with social media there's all kinds of like different ways to do it there's like when people do like a paid seminar or a mentorship like things that people would have never thought of doing before where they were surrounded by the right people that kind of gave them that self-confidence to realize that like they, they had everything that they needed and they're already doing something right. And if they just take that chance, kind of like how we talked about like exercise libraries, just like recording those videos, start with mm-hmm. 10, you'll have like a thousand before you know it kind of thing. Um, but it's just like, I hope that everybody that listens to this show is surrounded by people like that. Cause like you talked about, uh, Pat Davidson and like, I'm sure there's handfuls of more people, um, with that being said, let's give some shout outs to uh, some female fitness professionals that have helped you in your career. Like uh, who are, who are some people that pop into your head and tell me more about them? Perfect. Uh, definitely. will say Kyle Dobbs is worth all those shout outs. So keep those up. Um, I would say uh, my undergrad strength and conditioning coach was a female and I think that was, again, it's like I look back and all the, I just randomly had all these females in leadership positions. And 
it, it, it's crazy how I had that because, again, it's pretty rare. Um, I did an internship at Northeastern University in Boston, Massachusetts in my master's program. And that's where I ended up having my first full-time job. But when I was interning there, they had a coach there named Sarah Cahill. And she was um, she came from kind of like Mike Boyle system in like USA hockey. And so seeing her in that role was extremely important. Um, and she kind of had, you know, extreme confidence in front of people, but then also like shared like humility and vulnerability at the same time. Right. Cause I think a lot of like masculine aspects of the, the fitness industry that I see, like I don't really connect to that much. So I think with her and then also the people who I ended up working with at Northeastern were very humble and showed a lot of vulnerability in their their position. And I think I connected a lot to that. Um, let's see other people. So I think those were kind of like the probably the main two individuals in terms of like the fitness industry that I kind of like look up to. Well, you made some really good points with just like what you connected to and like mm-hmm. what you saw in people because uh, a while back I had a conversation with uh, a female fitness professional based out of Calgary and I was like, who do you look up to? And she listed a couple dudes and it was like nothing wrong with that. But like, mm-hmm. wouldn't she be able to have a greater connection with somebody who sees life differently? Like it's just to i i'm a strong believer in like surrounding myself with diversity in in all senses of the word because i'm gonna miss out if there's a huge bias like if i'm just like learning from a bunch of bald bearded dudes it's gonna be very narrow i'm not gonna learn nearly as much um and i'm not gonna become as good as i could be i'm not going to have as much like empowerment to live life on my terms um so with that being you're said, gonna, you're going to be talking about how good you guys look in your beards all day. You know? <laughs> that would, that's all it would be. Like, I mean, I, I had a podcast interview with Jordan Syatt and we could make bald guy jokes and it like, I mean, we could go on all day, but then it's like, well, let's talk about something else. And we're not going to have that like scope to talk about things that so many other people with other experiences would be able to talk about. Um mm-hmm. I think it's a huge, huge life skill that you have to have that will create so many advantages to be able to meet people and and discern qualities from them, both both in the positive, like what I don't really like about this person, and then in the, in the negative, excuse me, negative, don't really like about this person, positive, what I like about this person, be like, okay, how can I use these things to create the, the person who I want to be? And how I interact with people and do my job and train people with. And I think you just get way better outcomes instead of, you know, just going blindly through your experiences with people. Well, I mean, that's so true. Like no matter whether we like it or not, like everybody that we meet, whether they're Mm -hmm. like our biggest fan or they've given us a hard time, like they all have a lesson to teach us and Mm -hmm. like, some of those lessons we're going to have to be pretty humble in learning them. But if we don't learn them, then it's going to make life a lot more difficult. And so I'm glad we kind of like uh, bantered on that piece right there because it's, well, it's just like, that's yeah. some clutch life advice for people. Like that's something that if, if they start to realize, okay, like 
I'm, I'm getting some pushback from this person, but what kind of a lesson can they, can they teach me? Like how can they shape me to have an easier time to get to where I want to be? Or am I just going to walk away from that opportunity? Yeah, 100%. And the um, seeing people change is also extremely important too, because like, then you can know that you have the ability to do that because I've seen a lot of, you know, arrogant people, you know, over the course of a few years or, you know, whatnot from the last time I saw them to, you know, the current when I interact with them become extremely humble people. And it, it took them some sort of like learning expedition, maybe something negative happening in their life to create that. But change is possible. And, um, not giving up on people too, just like writing people off, you know, that one's important. Like, I mean, it's, uh, it's effortless to be like, I don't want to have anything to do with that person. I'm just going to walk away. I'm not going to answer their messages. I'm just done. But you're going to experience a lot more growth when you find a way to get on the same level and lean into that tough conversation or figure out where you disagree like that's that's what i love about seeing some of like the instagram lives that are coming out these days it's like people are talking about a a topic and they're discussing it and they're not like doing personal attacks they're just explaining their piece they're explaining their side and then everybody who is involved gets to have that much more understanding of like why you would take one stance over the other or what truly was the explanation for why that one person, why was that the the hill they wanted to die on and why was it not for the other person? Um, sled push definitely pops into my head. I'm like, Oh, like <laughs> that one yeah. became a debate. But uh, with that, yeah, being- but it, and it's like both things work, right? Cause the two people who are probably having those conversations, like, get really great outcomes right so it's like at the end of the day it's like what are you arguing about you know it's so true and like it's like are you going to walk away from this better or are you just going to keep like yelling into your echo chamber and staying where you're at kind of thing um if you were to give someone a piece of advice on how to live their life to the fullest in the most authentic way what would that piece of advice be Wow, that is a fantastic question. Um, I guess it's really going to be kind of hover over yourself and like watch yourself of like how you're behaving, how others are perceiving your behavior. Um, You know, how someone probably could have taken what you said the wrong way. Um, Could you have done the best in this situation? Being able to take a step back reflect on your behavior and then maybe how other people view your behavior to me is living authentically because I'm basically making sure that, you know, I am interacting with people the way I want to and developing relationships like the way I want to. And then I think the other part, maybe this is like a personal journey of, I think I was kind of like restricted in letting people in my life when I was kind of younger and I was kind of like dead set on a path and I didn't really expand into, you know, other people in terms of maybe like personal relationships and things. And I think since then, like I've allowed people to enter kind of my world a little bit and get to know people a bit more and like 
depend on people a little bit more, especially in terms of like, you know, being in a serious relationship. I think that's something that's extremely helpful and, you know, helps me in all aspects of my life. And I think I embrace that a little bit more. And I feel like I've become the person I really want to be through, through those types of interactions or deeper interactions with people. You know, I think I'm, I'm very proud that I call my two best friends that I have every single week. So I talk to them on the phone every single once week, not text message, right? Not like a few lines thrown back and forth, typed up each day, like actual interaction of seeing them in person or talking on the phone. And I think that is a huge point of something that I'm very proud of in my life and living authentically. That was like, that was important that you kind of outlined some of those pieces, like just uh, being okay with like opening up to having other people support you. Like nobody, nobody goes through life by themselves, no matter how strong mm-hmm. they are or talented or intelligent. We all need friends. That's like the beauty of like these online mentorships. So many people were able to make friends on the internet in the past year. Yeah. And it's just like, that stuff is a game changer. Like I, I could list off like, 30 people that I consider my close friends who I've never met in person. And it's just like that connection that you can get and the level of support and just that reaffirmation of like, these are your strengths, use them. Don't take them for granted kind of thing. Like, uh, or this is what you thought was your A game wasn't actually your A game. Now show us your real A game. Like things like that are so important. Yeah. And have people who give you honest feedback, like having someone in my life with say life that says to me, hey, you were like a real jerk in that situation. And me being able to say, yeah, like, you're right. Yeah, that is accurate statement. (laughs) Um, People who are honest with you, not just like, like, I don't know, just being like, hey, no, you were totally fine. I totally agree with everything that you just had to say. Like, you don't want like everyone in your life to be like that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's absolutely true. Um, there's one more thing that I pose on people lately on the podcast, and it is you have to come up with a challenge for my audience. And it like you could literally be anything, yeah. but think about something that you think would help them the most just based on like your life experiences. And so essentially what I'll get you to do is be like your challenge for the day is and then just say what it is and then I'll just make sure everybody does it. <laughs> that's awesome accountability i would say what are ways in which you're investing in yourself and that could be it doesn't like that's time that's energy sometimes it can be financially um investing yourself in terms of chunking out time to do things that you are like enjoy you like to paint are you investing time into doing that um, do you want to create like a meditation practice? Are you investing, creating time in the morning to be able to do that? Um, you want to learn more, you know, X, Y, Z. Um, I think the biggest thing I see from people is this fear of investing investment. Right. And it goes back to probably the fail, uh, fear of failure and being like, okay, am I throwing all of this away for, for something that I'm going to get a little kickback on. And I would say like really cut down those barriers and really start investing into yourself 
whether it be education, whether it be like small little habit changes or being okay with taking time for things that you enjoy and not just time for being productive. That makes sense. That makes sense. It totally makes sense. I think uh, that's something that people can actually like, it'll make their career a little bit better if they take Mm -hmm. a, a step back and like, really think about that one and really think like, are they doing it or are they just saying that they're doing it? Yeah, 100%. Um, Again, it goes back to like how you want to live your life. I think when you invest in yourself, you make more steps towards how you want to live your life of not just, hey, in five years, I want to own a house, you know, in three years, I want to be married or something like that. It's like, those are just like kind of like checklists, like tasks to complete. It's actually, you no. Know, how do you want to behave in the world? What types of relationships do you want to have with people? And then how are you getting there? How do you know you're getting there? Um, so I think like on a deeper level, making sure you really sit back and how do you define yourself, you know, and, and the person that you want to be? And then how are you investing in that? Absolutely. Um, so if people want to track you down and learn more about you, what are the best ways to do that? Uh, that's a great question. So my email address is mbolandy at michelleboland-training.com. Totally feel free to email me. Um, I'm most active on Instagram, which is at dr.michelleboland. Send me a DM, whatever. Um, Sadly, I'm probably on it pretty frequently. (laughs) Um, And then, uh, you know, I have my group classroom, which I do frequently. Um, I mean, it's probably the same thing as what I would call like a mentorship, but it's basically like something I've identified like in this point of my career of like you asked me like looking back, like what could have helped me? And I think the academic system does a really shitty job at this. But it's like actually giving you teaching, excuse me, learning skills and being like, okay, this is the information. This is the information is things like you're going to extract to turn into knowledge and then implement into the context that you are currently in. Well, it's like in, you know, our current environment, it's like there's just a shit ton of information and like schools of thought, like seminars, courses to go through, Instagram posts. And it's like, what do I do with all of this information? How do I create a kind of like a guardrail system that is pretty flexible to be able to actually perform our roles, which is get outcomes for the people that we're working with and create a clear path and plan towards that outcome. And my kind of course is basically like, okay, how do you create that process with all of your unique individual knowledge and experiences that you have. So it's not me directly like providing you those experiences and knowledge. It's it's showing you how to organize that to get like better results and like a clear message towards your business. So if you want to like come really get to know me and interact with me on like a weekly basis, like definitely I encourage you to jump into that group as well. That is awesome. So I'd like to thank you so much for joining me today. It's been really cool to like really talk about things and get to know your journey and learn from you. So thank you again. No, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.